Heads up, this episode contains spoilers. This is a Clark University podcast. When you're a little kid, a lot of times your parents will say, don't talk to strangers. Like my parents had the exact opposite instruction for us. They said, talk to strangers. And who they were talking about were the people sitting in our dining room because my mom didn't have the opportunity to graduate high school. You know, she had to get married off by her parents. My dad had to drop out of community college for two semesters because his parents were expanding the restaurant and they needed more help. And so they didn't necessarily know what were the job opportunities outside those four walls of that Chinese restaurant existed for us, but they knew they had this dining room full of people that did. That idea of being able to talk to people that are different from me, you know, and um, also not being afraid of asking for help, those are, those are things that I take with me all the time. For Curtis Chin, the dining room and kitchen of his family's Chinese restaurant served as an introduction to the world and all its possibilities. The Detroit restaurant called Chung's was founded by Curtis's great-grandfather in 1940. Growing up at Chung's, Curtis did his homework, waited tables, wrote op-eds to the local paper, and explored his identity. It was just a magical place. Um, Despite all the difficulties of my hometown, um, particularly in the 80s, when Detroit was really suffering the auto industry, AIDS, crack, we had this really wonderful space where my family was able to raise me and my siblings. And so I feel very, very lucky to call myself a Chinese restaurant kid. So we actually have a really famous road there called Eight Mile Road. If you ever saw the Eminem film, you know, and it really was, it wasn't just a um, racial line. It was also socioeconomic. It was religious. It was all these different ways that you could really divide the city out. Um, so my family, we originally lived on Nine Mile, just outside of it. And, but our restaurant was still deep in the inner city in the red light district. And so we were one of those few families that actually traversed that line. And so as a kid, I got to see all of that. I got to see all of Detroit. I wasn't just limited to you know, a certain class background or religious background. I just feel like that was a really wonderful place to be. I mean, um, as a writer, as a creative person, to sort of have that shape me as a kid. Chung's closed in 2000, but vivid memories of life in the Detroit mainstay live on in Curtis's memoir, Everything I Learned, I Learned in a Chinese Restaurant. Curtis, who is currently on a book tour, enjoyed the rich diversity of Detroit diners who enjoyed dishes like almond boneless chicken at Chung's. I think that a Chinese restaurant is one of those few places, maybe food places in general, but Chinese food places seem to be really keen to this, is that we welcome our doors to everybody. You really can go in there and see people from a different race, socioeconomic background, class background, like uh, religious background, sexual orientation because everybody goes to a Chinese restaurant, right? It really has become one of the few communal spaces in the U.S. left. Um, And so for our restaurant, we literally had everybody from the mayor of Chung's that would come during the day, you know, we'd have celebrities like Oscar-winning actors come in, like, you know, British royalty, like, you know. But at the same time, we also had the pimps and prostitutes on the neighborhood, you know, uh, really late at night. I'm Melissa Hansen, a producer in Clark's communications office, and this is Challenge Change. Curtis visited Clark in January to speak about Chinese restaurants, 1980s Detroit, Asian American politics, queer identities, and creative writing. 
In a discussion with Associate Provost and Dean of the College Betsy Wong, English Professor Jeff No, and students Zabrina Richards and Chloe Yao, Curtis shared a glimpse into life behind the counter. One of the jokes in the book is that I wasn't a very good cook, right? So I was when banished to the uh, dining room whenever people were cooking and stuff like that. And so, like, I say that, you know, um, well, that's one of the lessons I learned uh, in life was that even though I desperately wanted to be in the kitchen with everybody else, I was more needed to be in the dining room, right? And so I learned that, you know, maybe sometimes in life, you're not always in the places where, where, where you want to be, but if you're in a place, you make the best of what you can out of that. And so for me, I was committed to being the best Chinese waiter possible, right? Um, and it's a skill set that I wasn't naturally aspiring to do as a kid, right? Because I wanted to cook. I wanted to be creative like that. But then I realized, okay, well, maybe I do have this skill set. Maybe I can be a good waiter, a good people person. And I do feel like even though I don't work in a Chinese restaurant anymore, um, I still feel like I'm that Chinese waiter. I'm a perpetual Chinese waiter. I'm always asking, how can I help you? You know, what can I get for you? And that's why I do a lot of volunteer work, a lot of nonprofit work. You know, my whole life has been oriented around service in some way, right? Giving back to the Asian American community because that's the way I was sort of trained is like, how do I make people have a more pleasant experience? Um, and so in that sense, um, it's the fundamental way I sort of see the world. How do you make life better for people? Flipping through the memoir's pages brings the reader directly into the atmosphere at Chung's. Here's Jeff. What did it mean to put all this um, into the form of a book? The memoir is organized, you know, like as a, a menu that you um, uh, might encounter at Chung's. Um, <laughs> and so I'm curious about that process. You know, I first wrote it down for my family member, right, because, um, you know, my family had been in, in Detroit uh, since the late 1800s, but um, after my dad passed away, uh, my siblings, everybody all left. And um, when they started having kids, I thought it was real sad that we had this new generation of people in my family who had no knowledge or wouldn't have this knowledge of what it was like to grow up in the Midwest, which I think is a very unique experience, right? Um, and so I first was writing it for them. Um, and it was really going to be a fun thing. One thing I did think about in terms of the ordering it was that I wanted it to be like an experience of going into a Chinese restaurant. And that's why I say like, oh, the stories, there's some savory, there's some spicy, there's some sweet. It's like it's like a banquet. That's the way I wanted to present it. And that's why even the first line of the book is the welcoming line that my dad would say to customers. Welcome to Chung's. This is for here to go. And the last line of the book is thanks. Come again. You know what I mean? And so it is really fashioned as a journey, you know, of, of what you might be in terms of going to a Chinese restaurant. Betsy wanted to know if students Chloe and Sabrina could identify with any parts of Curtis's childhood experience in the safety of Chung's walls. You're in the middle of your coming of age, as it were, right? And there are a lot of interesting <clears throat> details in the book about relationship with parents, managing expectations of parents. And uh, I think most interestingly, because of the nature of this book, a particular setting or place that you find so valuable, that was so formative. So is there a particular place like that for you? I was born and raised in Hong Kong. And then um, prior to coming to America, I was in Switzerland for a year. And before that, I was in Shanghai for a bit. So like. After coming to like 
predominantly white countries like the very first thing i normally usually do is just like go to look for the local chinese restaurants that i could go um back in switzerland there was just one chinese restaurant uh surrounding my school previous school and then here in clark also a couple more i think chinese restaurant really just means like a safe haven for me like that because i feel like seeing people who look familiar familiar to me and then it just feels very like comforting because i mean i didn't really encounter like race or like ethnicities un until i went to like switzerland then here in america so it was a very 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 hard as like a 20 year old started navigating all these like mm. without knowing that i needed to if that makes sense so i think food really just like helped me a lot even when I do cooking by myself or like going to a restaurant, so. As an adopted Chinese American, um, they've always been a space of like very comforting um, because most of the time the owners are Chinese Americans or Chinese um, and like I have a white family so like being able to like be in community and like see people who look like me in a like I, I come from Maine um, and it's majority white um, so it's just a very like safe space for me um, and it just brings back like a lot of positive memories of like Sabrina like go get the food because like um, she also like my mom knows that like I love being in diverse areas and Maine is just not a diverse area um, and so it just feels like a very safe and comforting area um, but when COVID really hit um, that's when I became uh, more engaged with the Asian American community in Maine um, and really were I was able to amplify my voice mm -hmm. as an Asian American, um, also validating my experiences as a Chinese American um, and feeling that, yes, Asian Americans are people of the global majority. Because um, I think some people might believe that we're not because of like ideas of the model minority myth. Um, and so I feel like being able to validate myself and then also being able to amplify others um, other Asian American youth in Maine um, was really formative of how I am today. When I know I'm crossing a state where I may meet up with some racism, good old fashioned anti-Asian racism, I look for the Chinese restaurants because I know that those are safe waypoints. I go there and at the very least, I won't have to deal with that. Yep. And that is meaningful for me and valuable for me and I know for many Asian Americans in this country. Chinese restaurants are a quintessential part of American dining. Almost everyone has a favorite local eatery. I do think this idea of the Chinese restaurant is uh, a very universal idea, a very common space uh, to most Americans, right? Or a, a, a high level of familiarity that Americans have with Chinese restaurants, even if they aren't Chinese, you know? And I think that offered a really wonderful opportunity to sort of, um, you know, present this story and hopefully uh, make connections with people, not only ones that grew up in a Chinese restaurant, but maybe even people who just loved eating Chinese food, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that could be their entry point. And so I feel like that's that's been one of the great things about the book. But my attitude about uh, Chinese cooking and why I think it's so popular is because it is so flexible, right? Because mm -hmm. of the walk, you know, where a lot of things are pre-cut in the morning and you can really make last minute adjustments very easily. It's not like other cuisines, right? Where you have very, very rigid instructions of how to follow. Chinese food is very improvisational, right? Very few things are written down. And I think that allowed for things to happen. 
in the Chung's kitchen, cooks were always accommodating to customers' tastes and desires. And Curtis is ready to hold his ground against anyone who argues that practice made the food less quote-unquote traditional. If a customer came in and said, oh, can you just throw in three extra pieces of shrimp? Or can you make it less spicy? We can adjust. It's not a problem, right? And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Chinese cooking. There's no one standard Chinese food, you know? And who's to say that Detroit isn't a province of China, just like really far away, you know? The people cooking it were using Chinese philosophy. They were using Chinese utensils, equipments, you know, cooking styles. The ingredients might have been slightly different, right? But, you know, if you prescribe to the idea that there's just traditional Chinese food in China and non-traditional food that's here in America, then you're also being limited by geographic boundaries, which are oftentimes very arbitrary anyway. Like, what is to say, like, the Chinese diaspora isn't part of, you know, Chinese culture? It is part of it, right? And so Chinese-American cuisine is just as Chinese, you know, as, as something that may have been created in China, like, like Peking duck, right? Not a very old dish, right? It was created fairly recently in, in Chinese history, created in one particular region. Why is that traditional Chinese food? But Egg Fu Young isn't. So, mm-hmm. and I'm sticking to my guns on that. I'm going to fight for the Chinese. <laughs> to learn more about speakers, authors, and scholars visiting Clark, go to clarku.edu slash events. Challenge Change is produced by Andrew Hart and Melissa Hansen for Clark University. Find other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. I always got the biggest tips. <laughs> I was a very good waiter. It's <laughs> an excellent return on Can your Can you imagine that? There. I'm a really good waiter. Right? Does it surprise you? I'm, say that? I'm not surprised okay. at all, Curtis. Yeah. I was the best waiter at our restaurant. Yeah. One, two, three. Clark! <laughs>